0: Hi, you're listening to Bonus Points, the official podcast of Mr. Astle's Theology Class. Join us as we put out into the deep and explore the world of theology and beyond. Today, we're talking about the difference between the vice of curiosity and the virtue of studiousness. Let's begin. Hello there. Welcome to episode 41 of Bonus Points. We are rolling right on through the school year here, and we're more than halfway through the first marking period, believe it or not, so I think that today's topic is fitting for two reasons. First, my junior morality class is beginning to talk about the virtues, and today we're going to look at the virtue of studiousness, according to St. Thomas Aquinas. This episode is a true bonus point, because our focus in class is mostly on the theological and the cardinal virtues. While those are the most important, of course, this means we don't get to spend as much time with the other virtues, like studiousness. As we'll see, Aquinas is going to consider studiousness to be a form of temperance, so while we're talking about temperance in class, we won't have time to get to all of its different forms, like studiousness. I think this topic is fitting not only for the juniors, but for all of my students especially, For many, this is the time of year when the back-to-school motivation and energy burst kind of sputters out a little bit. Today's topic will hopefully inspire us to approach our studies with a new enthusiasm. And if you're not one of my students, hopefully this episode inspires you to apply the virtue of studiousness in your own life as well. Even if you are done with your formal studies, we want to be lifelong learners, right? Especially when it comes to our faith, we always want to be going deeper. And that's what you're doing by tuning in here. So well done to you, person listening to this. Of course, you can help others go deeper and learn more about the faith by sharing this podcast, subscribing wherever you listen to the show, and by visiting our website, bonuspointspodcast.com. Okay, without further ado, let's talk about the vice of curiosity and its corresponding virtue of studiousness. Now, I think that people, many people respond negatively when they first hear that Aquinas called curiosity a vice. At worst, they sometimes think that this is just proof that those Catholics are anti-intellectuals and they hate knowledge and science and blah, blah, blah. Of course, anybody who knows literally anything about St. Thomas Aquinas knows that he is many things, but anti-intellectual is not one of them. Heck, even secular philosophers recognize him as one of the greatest philosophers of all time. So the first thing we need to notice is that Aquinas is not saying that knowledge is a vice, or that knowing things is bad. Of course not. He does say that curiosity is a vice. What does he mean by that? Well, let's hear it from the horse's mouth, or, I suppose, from the dumb ox's mouth. Real quick, for those who didn't get that joke— Aquinas was a larger gentleman and was not overly talkative. This led his buddies to give him the nickname of the Dumb Ox. Not because they thought he was stupid, they knew better than that, but because he was large and quiet. Anyway, doesn't every joke get funnier when you explain it? Anyway, Aquinas talks about curiosity in the Secunda Secundae of the Summa Theologiae. You may remember from episode 40, That the Summa Theologiae, Aquinas' masterpiece Summary of Theology, is split into three parts. The second part is then split into two parts the prima secundae, or the first part of the second part, and the secunda secundae, the second part of the second part. Right before he talks about mirth, which was part of our topic in episode 40, Aquinas talks about studiousness and curiosity. Now, here's an important distinction that he makes. Aquinas and the Thomistic school of philosophy that he inspired is all about making distinctions. We have to be precise with our language and we have to recognize differences between things that are even similar. Aquinas says, As stated above, studiousness is directly not about knowledge itself, but about the desire and study in the pursuit of knowledge. Now we must judge differently of the knowledge itself of truth and of the desire and study in the pursuit of knowledge of truth. For the knowledge of truth, strictly speaking, is good, but it may be evil accidentally by reason of some result, either because one takes pride in knowing the truth, according to 1 Corinthians 8.1, knowledge puffs up, or because one uses the knowledge of truth in order to sin. On the other hand, the desire or study in pursuing the knowledge of truth may be right or wrong. Okay, so what's going on here? Aquinas is distinguishing between the knowledge we possess and the desire to possess knowledge, or the study that we do to pursue knowledge. Knowledge itself is good, even if it may occasionally lead to evil, for example, somebody uses their knowledge to sin or becomes proud of their knowledge. The desire for knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge is morally neutral. It can be either good or bad depending on the circumstances what sort of circumstances well we can get into trouble when we have either a lack of this desire or an excess aquinas calls the lack of desire for knowledge negligence it's what happens when we want to just turn our brains off and not think we encounter a difficult question and we try to distract ourselves from it rather than grapple with it the excess is what aquinas is talking about when he talks about curiositas It's not that we are failing to pursue knowledge, but that we're going about it the wrong way. And we translate that word curiositas as curiosity, even though it may be necessary for us to clarify what we mean by that. As often happens, words back then and words today don't always mean the same thing. Anyway, what forms uh, or how can this curiosity, how can this pursuit of knowledge go the wrong way? The first form is when our pursuit of knowledge is based in pride. Aquinas says, first, when one tends by his study to the knowledge of truth, as having evil accidentally annexed to it, for instance, those who study to know the truth, that they may take pride in their knowledge. This one hits close to home for me. I can be honest and say that growing up, this was me, for sure. I was naturally good at school, and I enjoyed reading and watching documentaries, so I knew more than some of my classmates about some things. And you know what? That was a point of pride for me. I found myself learning more just so that I could take comfort in being smarter than the people around me. Not cool. After talking about this, Aquinas goes on to list four ways that the pursuit of knowledge can be bad. This is really where we get into the nitty-gritty of what curiosity looks like. He says that the first way is, When a man is withdrawn by a less profitable study, from a study that is an obligation incumbent on him." Here Aquinas distinguishing distinguishing between the studies that are obligations for us and the studies that are not or which are less profitable. Curiosity sometimes takes the form where we are distracted from the important studies that we must complete and toward the not as important studies. I think that the internet has made us much more susceptible to this one. Let me describe a scenario that I've experienced plenty of times, and perhaps it's one that you're familiar with as well. You sit down to do an assignment, and you start to research something as part of this required task. For me now, this might mean researching something for a lesson plan back in the day, maybe it was looking something up for a paper. Anyway, you end up clicking a link in the Wikipedia article that leads to something interesting, but maybe not quite as related to your main point. Then you click another link and another, and before you know it, you are reading about something that is entirely unrelated to the assignment at hand. You were pursuing knowledge, sure, but it was leading you away from your obligations. You were pursuing the wrong knowledge in the wrong direction. The second way that Aquinas talks about is when, quote, a man studies to learn of one by whom it is unlawful to be taught, as in the case of those who seek to know the future through the demons. So we can try to gain knowledge by the wrong means. Aquinas is especially thinking of the occult here, like fortune-telling. Today, this would also include things like Ouija boards. I've said it before on the show, but just in case it isn't clear, Ouija boards are bad. Don't mess with them. So that's the second way Aquinas talks about is when we seek to learn from whom it is unlawful to be taught. The third form that St. Thomas describes is when a man desires to know the truth about creatures without referring his knowledge to its due end, namely the knowledge of God. Now, this is not saying that something isn't worth learning if it's not directly related to God. There's a reason that there are other teachers in the building. This is saying that we can get into trouble if we pursue knowledge that ultimately doesn't matter or we fail to connect the knowledge we're pursuing with the bigger picture. I think this is a very, very common mistake that many of us make. We pursue knowledge that is trivial or unimportant, as though accumulating as many facts as possible was the same as acquiring true knowledge. This reminds me of a passage from one of my favorite works of fiction, Fahrenheit 451. Now, I know many of my students read this in English. In fact, uh, just yesterday, I just finished writing this this outline here and my first class of the day came in and what do I see but a copy of Fahrenheit 451 sitting on the table so perfect timing perhaps now for the sake of those who have never had the pleasure of reading the book Fahrenheit 451 takes place in a dystopian future where firemen do not put out fires but they set them especially to burn books while censorship is one of the important themes of the book It also has a lot to say about substantial knowledge versus trivia, or distraction. When I first read this book for an independent reading assignment freshman year of high school, this passage that I'm about to read for you jumped off the page, smacked me upside the head. It says, Give the people contests they win by remembering the words to more popular songs, or the names of state capitals, or how much corn Iowa grew last year. Cram them full of non-combustible data. Chalk them so damn full of facts they feel stuffed. Absolutely brilliant with information. Then they'll feel their thinking. They'll get a sense of motion without moving. And they'll be happy because facts of that sort don't change. Don't give them any slippery stuff like philosophy or sociology to tie things up with. This is curiosity right here. We fill up on popcorn. We miss the meal. Along with that, This form of curiosity takes these little bits of knowledge, but doesn't connect them to the whole. Truth is cohesive, it's a tapestry, not just a pile of facts. It's all connected and the whole thing should point to God. We form this big picture of creation and it tells us something about the Creator. In fact, just a few days ago my sophomore class was talking about natural revelation, the idea that God reveals himself to us through creation. Unfortunately, it's easy for us to lose sight of the big picture. It's easy to compartmentalize things and miss the whole. And I don't just mean with specific facts and ideas, but even between disciplines. Maybe it's a byproduct of how the school day works, but it's easy for us to say, okay, I had theology first period and chemistry second period and literature third period, and they're all totally separate from each other. We forget that even though you're learning about each discipline in this room at this time, There's a hierarchy of truths that all point to the ultimate capital T truth. We don't just want to stuff your head full of information, but we want you to encounter that truth. I think I am going to do a future episode on the purpose of education. Why is this school here? Why is any school here? Getting back to Aquinas, he says that the fourth way we get into trouble is when, quote, a man studies to know the truth above the capacity of his own intelligence, since by so doing men easily fall into error. In other words, sometimes we try to pursue knowledge that is above our current abilities or capacity. And this means that we're very likely to misunderstand. Even worse than just not knowing something, we end up thinking we know something, but knowing it incorrectly. This is why scaffolding is important. In education, scaffolding is when you put concepts in order based on what prior knowledge and skills are necessary. For example, I don't teach the Incarnation until after I teach the Trinity. Why? Because saying the Word became flesh or the second person of the Trinity took on a human nature, that doesn't mean much to somebody who doesn't know who the Word is or what it means to call Him the second person of the Trinity. Okay, so those are four forms of curiosity according to St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, if we extrapolate a bit, we can see other ways that we can fall into curiositas and do more harm than good. A few moments ago, we mentioned how curiosity fails to integrate knowledge into the whole, or it misses the big picture. From this, we can fall into error in two ways. We may do a really deep dive on one specific topic, but neglect everything else because of it. Have you ever met somebody who was an expert on something very specific, but was lacking basic knowledge in other areas? It makes me think of something that Sherlock Holmes says in, I think, the first episode of the BBC show. Somehow, the planets of the solar system come up, and Sherlock doesn't know them. And when the person, he's talking, uh, the person who's talking to him is incredulous that he doesn't know this, he pretty much says, well, I've never needed to know it. And if you actually know the scene I'm talking about, I'm so sorry for that vague and unhelpful description. On the other hand, curiosity can also make us pursue knowledge in a shallow way. We just want the easy answer so we can move on to the next thing. As helpful as it is sometimes, one of the worst things Google has ever done was to add the auto results box that pops up sometimes, where it just pulls a quote from the top result. There have been so many times when a student has said something or presented an answer to something, and then when it misses the mark, they turn their laptop around and show me that pull quote. And they always do it with the finality of a judge banging a gavel like they just proved me wrong. And on more than one occasion, if we actually clicked that top result and read the full quote, not just the snippet that Google pulled from the page, we find that the actual page in question actually says something very different than the quote would lead you to believe. And even if you do actually click the link, how often does that top result have something inaccurate? Just because it's the top result does not mean that it is correct. You know, I tell my classes over and over again, be very careful googling anything Bible related because there are a lot of crazy people with crazy ideas out there and they know about search engine optimization. If you just go with the top answer every time, you're going to end up developing a pretty weird theology. So to use an image for both of these, if we imagine our mind as a body of water, curiosity can make it like a well that is very deep, but only a few feet wide. It can also make it into a swimming pool that is miles across and inches deep. Neither one is how things should be. Aquinas also talked about seeking knowledge from illicit sources, like demons. On a related note, we can talk about seeking knowledge that we have no business having. While this would include things like the future, there are plenty of things that we can learn through natural means that we still have no need to know. I'm thinking especially of gossip here. Curiosity can give us this inordinate desire for knowledge of other people's business, which can get us into trouble. Now, there are good reasons for wanting to know what other people are up to. If they do something good, we can seek them out as a good example for us, to build us up. Or we can have a genuine concern for this person and want to help them stay on the right path. We might have some authority over them in some cases, and knowing what they're up to is part of exercising that authority. But if we're being honest, how often does our nosiness actually come from these motivations, and how often is it really curiosity? Do we really need to know this, or are we just being nebby? Okay, so what's the alternative? How can we pursue knowledge in a way that is virtuous and avoid the vice of curiosity? This is the virtue that Aquinas calls studiositas or studiousness. Now Aquinas discusses studiousness as part, as a part or an expression of the virtue of temperance. Temperance is the cardinal virtue that helps us moderate the attraction of pleasures. We usually think of temperance in the context of the temperance movement, which was totally against alcohol, but when we talk about the virtue of temperance, it's not about totally shutting down our desires. Rather, it's about moderating them. Temperance looks at the good things of the world and knows that we tend to go overboard, so it helps us to have a healthy moderation. Temperance is all about balancing and strengthening our abilities, which is why Aquinas includes studiousness here. The virtue of studiousness has the purpose of strengthening our mental abilities. Studiousness takes the natural desire for knowledge, which we all have, and directs it to peak effectiveness. In the clearest and most immediate sense, studiousness means that we apply ourselves diligently to our studies. We do our homework, we study well, we work to understand and retain what we learn. We seek depth of knowledge, not just a shallow understanding. Studiousness is not just for studying though, and it's not just a virtue for students. No matter what your state in life is, you are called to exercise this virtue. The desire for knowledge doesn't go away after graduation, and the virtue of studiousness is there to moderate that desire and optimize it. This means that we always try to connect our knowledge to that big picture. What does this say about truth? How does this fit in with that tapestry what does this reveal about god so my encouragement for you today and i do encourage you to be studious whether you're still being formally educated or not but i want you to exercise that virtue of studiousness in your pursuit of knowledge do not be satisfied with easy answers or a shallow understanding Remember that knowledge is not just a pile of facts, and it's certainly not a way for you to try and be better than others. It's an encounter with the God who is truth. That's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you for listening. If you'd like to go deeper and exercise some of that studiousness, make sure you check out the episode guide on bonuspointspodcast.com. There you will find additional sources and resources for every episode. This time around, you'll find the Summa Theologiae, specifically the two questions in the Secunda Secundae, where Aquinas talks about the virtue of studiositas and the vice of curiositas. I'm linking to an episode of the podcast Pints with Aquinas, where Matt Fradd talks about this same section of the Summa. While there is certainly some overlap with what we've said today, you can hear his take on it. Matt Fradd knows a lot more about Aquinas than I do, if you couldn't guess from the name of his show. You'll also be able to find a link to the book Fahrenheit 451, which we quoted in this episode, and finally an article from Prime Matters about studiositas and curiositas. Until next time, keep on putting out into the deep, using that intellect God gave you to know him, love him, and serve him better. You already know that this is Bonus Points. I'm Mr. Astle, and this was another chance for us to explore the world of theology and beyond.